Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me to another one of these great episodes. Uh, today, we'll go we'll talk about something very mysterious. The reason why it's so mysterious is because what if the priesthood of Jesus was not a male priesthood, but it was a female priesthood? And so we will try to talk to about some archaeological content, uh, which dates to the same time as the Gospel of uh, Mark, or John, and let's go. Okay, so let's clarify a couple of things. And to clarify these couple of things, we have to dig a little bit into history and a little bit into political science. The clarification is, where did Christianity even come from? Uh, there is no mention of Jesus during the Roman times prior to the 1300s, or in fact, Muslims kind of mention him a little bit more than the Romans do. For the Romans, Jesus was this other, how should we call it, backwards person from this tiny little tribe that they conquered. And so he was an insignificant personage. Uh, the Romans didn't pay any attention to Jesus until the cult of Christianity started to develop like a plague inside of the Roman uh, Empire. And as a result, the Roman Emperor Constantine became aware of the power of Christianity as, as a political tool. And as a result, Christianity became adopted by the Holy Roman Empire, but it had been a very long time after Jesus had died, and they needed to modify it, and they needed to shape it into their, into their own way of trying to make it useful for them. And as a result, many cultural aspects of the original Christianity eroded. Some of them died, some of them was exterminated, some of them was suppressed. And as a result, we only get a very, very dim understanding of what Christianity was like for Christ and for his original disciples and the disciples of the disciples. And as a result, um, we have to understand that the priesthood that we understand today as the priesthood of Christ, it was very likely not the priesthood that Christ originally had envisioned. Instead, it became a priesthood of Christ designed by the Roman colonizers or conquerors, whatever you want to call it. And what if we now have the tools to be able to understand the real Christianity of Jesus, of the real Jesus of Nazareth? And the reason we were able to understand that is because, fortunately, kind of like explained kind of in the book of Revelations, we now have broken the seals of those Gospels that were lost. And by broken the seals, I mean they have been translated. And now it is up to us whether we want to put all the pieces together to try to understand the message of the, message of the original Christ or the archaeological Christ, if we want to call it that way, 
and try to understand him, or we decide to follow the Christ that has been designed by the, initially by the Roman Emperor and eventually by the Holy Roman Catholic Church and eventually now to Mormonism or evangelicals or whatever you want to call it. And so that is the preamble to, to Christianity and to all of this. Now, the original Christianity, it seems to talk, or at least to most elect apostles, it talks to, about Pistisophia a great deal. But Pistisophia does not also come as Pistisophia. It has many different flavors. It can be Esther, which seems to be Sophia, kind of this uh, queen that somehow was able to get to the ear of the king and save the Jewish people, or even Eve. Eve also seems to be kind of a, a, a Sophia type of archetype in the way all these demons want her light, and she tries not to give him their light, and eventually Lucifer ends up fooling her, and she gets her light, and so it becomes, um, it becomes a big mess. But that message has always been there, but very secretively. In fact, uh, in Masonic terms, which must have been known by Joseph Smith, uh, Martinez de Pasquale talks a great deal about Pisti Sophia, but he doesn't use that name. He, he uses another name, but he obviously becomes very, very Gnostic. He, he, he's publicated, the, the, the books that he wrote are very Gnostic, and they're also heavily influenced by Cornelius Agrippa and Joseph Smith, based on the traditions that his family had and the Masonic knowledge that was permeated through his family. You're not going to name your son Harem just because, you know, you think it's a cute name. <laughs> it is a very Masonic name. Uh, the name Hiram is very important within Freemasonry. So it is my assumption that Joseph Smith Sr. was a Freemason, or at least was related to Freemasons. And so this tradition seems to permeate, uh, but it's very secretive. And fortunately, now we have enough of the tools for us to be able to speak about this tradition openly. Uh, and so... The tradition is a little bit too complex to try to explain within this podcast, but I try to I will try to explore some of the similarities between uh, Mormon traditions, the writings of the P.C. Sophia, uh, Masonic traditions, and other stuff that kind of permeates, but it's like within Egyptian mythology, with Isis and with Horus which is also very much like a Pisti Sophia type of archetypes. You have Isis, and then she gives birth to, to light, and then the Horus, who is the, the hawk god, who is kind of like the sun, uh, who is the, a representation of the pharaoh. He is the king. And so there's all of these feminine royal archetypes that have children that go on to rule the earth or give sovereign give give out their sovereignty but not give out uh, you know rise up their sovereignty as kings and uh, in the Pisti Sophia in one version the king becomes Yaldavaud if we're talking about Isis the son becomes Horus 
uh, if we're talking about Eve, we're talking about Seth. Seth, if he was a real person, he is the, the father of all the Jews, of all of the chosen people. And so, what does that mean? If, if we understand the book of Genesis and, and all of these archetypes put together, there's a hierarchy of gods. First, Sophia is not really with uh, the god-god, the master of the patterns, the monad. She is in the 13th eon. And it's seen, according to the post Sophia, Jesus said that the ultimate eon is the 24th. So as opposed to having three degrees of glory in like Mormonism or having three degrees like in uh, Masonry, the Enter Apprentice, the Fellow Craft, and the Master Mason degrees, there are 24 degrees. There are other Masonic rites like the Scottish Rite that has 32, 33 degrees. There's York Rite and so on and so forth. And so in the Peace of Sophia, Jesus declares himself the son of the living monad. And the reason why he prays to the to, to God, to the male, all-powerful God, is because he says that he is his father. Now, that father of Jesus is not our same father. It seems like he's our grandfather. So there's the monad, and then the monad has Pista Sophia, and then Pista Sophia had Yaldabaoth, and Yaldabaoth, then he had us. This is according to the Gnostic Gospels. And during uh, Sophia's travels back to trying to get to the 13th eon after she was kicked out to the, to the realms of chaos, there are a few things that Jesus teaches his apostles that is useful for his apostles and for us. And that, that there are many different mechanics that go around the her travels. For example, uh, Jesus is able to penetrate through the treasuries or the luminaries with his light. And it says that it confounds the, the archons and the eons that they were in that particular treasury or that particular luminary. And he passes without them knowing. And he just has all this power to just basically penetrate through all of them back to his father. But Sophia can't. Sophia has a really hard time trying to get back to the original place where she was. Uh, she does not have enough enough light to get there. Uh, she does not have the, the power. She does not have the know-how to get there. She needs to know very much like in masonry. She needs to know the names of the guard of the guardians of the watchers. She needs to know the, the password. She needs to know the steps. She needs to know the grips, which uh, for a lot of Mormons may sound familiar because that is a very Masonic thing to do. And my masonry um, references could come from the, the book of Hiram, which uh, is a published book. It explains a lot about these um, tokens and passwords and, and steps. And... Jesus, who is sometimes called a baromental, serves as a teacher or an instructor, teaching his disciples the information of the divine world and the, and the steps and the words and the, and the codes. 
that they will need to progress to the higher states of being after they pass from this mortal life. And as well as the knowledge of the cosmic realms, uh, the inhabitants and their functions. He teaches the disciples about the baptismal rites and instructs them to, uh, to give these rites to all those who show themselves worthy. worthy. Hopefully we're one of those, or at least as Christians, I would, like, I would like to think that that is what we strive to do. And coincidentally, the passage through all these degrees of glories can be obtained uh, in, in the very similar manner, like, like, I just, like I just described. And so what are these realms? Uh, the, the break into segment, the PC Sophia shows uh, the outer darkness. That is like where like the bad people go. I don't know. And then there is the myth, who is also pretty bad. And then there is the, 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 the realms of chaos, which is where PC Sophia was thrown in after she was kicked out. There is the Amente. Then there is the firmament, then there is the first sphere, there's there the 12 eons, then the 13 eon, then there's the myths, and there is a treasury of light, and ultimately there is the 24th and ultimate treasury where God, the monad, I'm assuming the Elohim resides, or at least according to Jewish lore. Elohim means God or judges or enumerators. And the reason why the Peace of Sophia is so important to Jesus is because, unlike most Christianity, uh, salvation, if you want to call it that, is not obtained through pure grace or through a pure belief in Christ. That is just not enough. There needs to be more knowledge for the believer or the candidate to be able to ascend through all of these degrees of glory, as, as I just, as just described. And, and another interesting character to note is Melchizedek. Uh, and this name is very important in Mormonism. And Melchizedek is, is, is the one who dwells in light or, or, or plays of the right. Melchizedek basically means kind of like a prince, prince of righteousness. So place of right is kind of like a, goes within that Hebrew uh, wordage. Uh, his primary role is to oversee the transport of light from the lower realms to the higher realms as it becomes purified. Uh, his subordinates also deliver certain souls out of the punishment regions and delivers them to earth. Uh, you know, they, they, they're delivered by people who pray for them. And in the next episode, I will talk more about this when we talk about the ceremonial tradition. A constant, actually, still lives in a way, but it's not necessarily attributed to Pistis Sophia, it's attributed to something else, something that's kind of hidden in the shadows of the Catholic beliefs. But that is still active, where you pray for somebody, you uh, try to get them through the mysteries, and then they use the very phraseology. And so, but, but what happens to those that are not aware of the mysteries of heaven in life? Well, according to, to this tradition, those human souls who did not receive the mysteries before they're dead are bound to reincarnate in this world. They're also given the cup of forgetfulness, so they forget their, the knowledge that they gained in the previous life, and therefore denying them the knowledge that they have to try to, acquire, to, to, try to uh, overcome punishment and, and so on and so forth. And so it may seem that the LDS Church, once again, it gets very close to archaeological Christianity. 
and I lo I'm, I'm, I'm loving this series because it is uh, I was initiated in, I was initiated in, into Freemasonry in the year 2000 I went through a lot of degrees and you know I also have gone through the temple as, as, as a Mormon and I'm just loving this series because I'm able to compare the archaeological tradition of the archaeological Christ and the, and the archaeological uh, era of the fathers of Christ and I'm able to compare them with uh, with Mormonism. I'm able to compare them with Masonry. And I'm trying to share this with you. I hope I hope you like this episode. And I thank you for your kind attention. And have a great one. Bye-bye.